Greetings, everybody. This is Danny from Cradle of Filth, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. All right, how's it going out there, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Interview Under Fire. This is your beloved host, Sonny, here, back here again. And this time, I'm here along with the revered visionary vocalist in Danny Filth. Quite the honor. Thank you so much for joining our IUF series today. Now, Danny, this is an exciting time of the year for you and the rest of the crew over at the Mighty Cradle of Filth with the release of your lucky number 13, 13 studio album, Existence is Futile, which unleashes October 22nd through Nuclear Blast Records. I mean, do we need, need an introduction at this point, right? And first things first, I want to applaud you, Danny, on just getting this far into your storied career with the band with the, you know, 30 years of existence with all the well-deserved recognition, this new album has get, has been getting so far uh, with that crawling King chaos single that dropped. I mean, could we expect anything less? Let's be real here. Plenty of amazing things to unravel about this album and who you're all about. But before we get to all that and beyond, I know we talked about it before the interview started. Now that there seems to finally be a light at the end of this long tunnel we've been in, I can't help but ask, you're gearing up to go tour here soon. How's life right now? How are you? I'm guessing the anticipation has kicked in, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, we recently uh, played the Bloodstock Festival in England, and uh, everybody that attended it was like, you know, from the bands to the crew to, you know, the woman selling ice creams out. <laughs> it, now, everybody there, there's 20, 20 odd thousand people there tons of vip and everything everybody had a big grin on their face it was like coming back to to it after such a long time it was amazing uh really got the bug for it and so yeah coming to the states just overwhelmed thing is it's we're jumping through so many hoops to do it because you can't just go to the states there's no tourist visas being given right i, I mean we're like in the top three percent to, to get these we're very lucky to be able to do it um even so, we still have to go all the way to Ireland to pick our visas up, which we uh, have to do on Monday. But yeah, it's going to be worth it. Yeah, something nice to look forward to is touring. You know, it was like a simple thing back in the day. And now it's obviously, you know, with the whole restrictions that are in place around the world, it's I'm just glad you were able to do something like this again. And a big part of who you are, Danny, is the live presence that you exhibit on the stage. And, and you know, Cradle of Filth has been around, I mentioned it, you know, 1991, three decades of like hell and brutality. And I grew up listening to your music. And uh, having said all that, you've been at this for a while and you've done some extensive touring throughout your career. And whether it's with Cradle of Filth or, you know, Devilment or I'll even throw Carnival Fruitcake and Temple of the Black Moon in there. You know, you talked about Bloodstock, you've performed at Hellfest, Vakken, 70,000 Tons to name a few over the years, but what is it about, you know, performing live that you love the most or maybe even miss the most? Do you have a newfound appreciation about it now? Well, that's until I get on the tour bus and realize I can't sleep for, for <laughs> properly. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's something about the nomadic life. I mean, I love my, I've got a beautiful big house with lots of cool shit in it. And um, I love it to, to bits, but, Having been here for a year and a half, you know, I'm, I'm bored of like looking at things going, oh, my God, that, I really need to vacuum that corner. You know, it's, 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 so, yeah, like my veins are like being pulled out toward the road. I've got to I've got to get out there and, and be a bit nomadic. And uh, yeah, I, I mentioned Bloodstock because it was just like suddenly you realized what you were missing. And, and it's that 
I don't know, the buzz, the interaction, playing the music, meeting the people, you know, it's the genre you're in and, you know, you've got like-minded folk all around you and you're out there with your touring family and we've got a great crew and band and, yeah, it's all these things, you know, it's the bus, it's the... I always joke that a tour around America is like uh, Walmart plus some gigs. <laughs> Yeah, because you have like these superstar destroyer Walmarts as opposed to normal uh, Imperial uh, Walmarts over here. I have never thought about it like that before. And you're talking to one of the biggest Star Wars fans ever. I'm going to use that as a bit now. <laughs> I'm definitely that's probably the perfect example I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> now, uh, something I want to talk about. You, you mentioned, you know, uh, you know, your, your house, right? Um, I want to also mention how you are an avid collector of horror figures for decades now. And as a fan of, I think I'm a closet horror fan. I keep talking about horror a lot in my podcast. I'm a fan of horror. And I know that it feeds into your creativity within Cradle of Philip. Now, having said all that, you have this five-issue comic book anthology series, which is entitled uh, Maledictus Athenium. And that explores the myth mythologies and the fantasy worlds of Cradle of Filth's lyrical compositions. And your band teamed up with publishers, you know, Incendium and Heavy Metal Entertainment. What more can you tell us about that? Because the fact that you now have a comic book series, which also is coinciding with the release of your new album in the same year. I'm sure that adds... As well. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like that adds to the excitement and anticipation for you, right? Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we've explored various... Um, other attributes during the lockdown. We've got a we've got another beer coming out soon called King Chaos, funnily enough. And oh my god, blood, yes. A blood, red, a blood red gin as well. And then a few other surprises along the way. Um some jewel weird jewelry and yeah, just 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 weird stuff. But the, the comic book series is is amazing. Some amazing artists, some amazing um uh, storytellers. Um, I've even managed to get one of my long poems in there that's going to be illustrated. Um, wow. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks really exciting. We're actually close to release of the second issue now, but okay. we finished the third issue, if that makes any sense. We're, we're ahead of ourselves to printing schedules and what have you. But yeah, it's exciting because the, I, I love the marriage and the juxtaposition of, uh, you know, music and um, various other formats. You mentioned horror. Obviously, horror and metal go hand in hand. Yeah, of course. So, <laughs> I, 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 I was going to ask, you know, where can fans, you know, you know, buy something like this? Just merch. I mean, Cradle of Filth merch. You know, that's like, it kind of like completes the circle. You have the music, you have the live presence, you have the shows. Now it's the merch. Just just round it all out. Where can people purchase something like this? If you can, uh, you know, add in a link to what well, you yeah, have. Night, uh, for, for America, uh, we're handled by Night Shift. Uh, okay, right, right. Night Shift merch, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I presume, I, I don't know off the top of my head, I presume that's Night Shift. Ah! <laughs> and that yeah. is a horror element. That was perfect. Yeah, yeah, right. Perfect. What the hell? Uh, I think it's actually Night Shift. <laughs> that's technology for me. Um, I think it's nightshift.com. Okay. I could be wrong. Um, yeah, with, with links all over the place on Instagram and other social media platforms um awesome yeah. awesome uh, i i can't wait to see more of this i mean more krill filled merch is what we need in this world now uh, speaking of horror um i can't help myself avoiding this because you are also a part of twisted's newest song neon vamp and we've had the privilege of speaking with jamie madrox 
here on IUF this past spring. Great guy, by the way. I mean, absolutely loved having him on the show. You know, from day one to the day of, the, or the final day to release the song, how did this all just come to the surface, Danny? Did Twisted reach out to you? Did you reach out to Twisted? No, they reached out to me. And um, yeah, originally my manager was, who's Des Fafara from, from Devil Driver. He, um, he was like, I'm not sure if this is, uh, you know, I don't know. It's up to you. You know, I respect your, your decision and everything, but I'm not sure this is really, you know, the thing to be doing. And I was like, no, I think mm. it is the thing to be doing because it is that juxtaposition. It's like a challenge. I mean, if I was to sing on, I don't know, off the top of my head, new Dimmu album, I don't think anybody would be like, oh, well, God, that's groundbreaking. Because, I mean, you know, it's of a similar ilk, the music. But when you've got something like, as I've done before, 69 Eyes, Bring Me the Horizon, etc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's a marriage of two different genres. And so I thought the twisted thing sounded like a bit of a challenge and, and fun. And um, I think it came out way better than I actually thought it would do. And did you get to see the comments on that video? I mean, people are going well, crazy I, over this yeah, because... It depends, I, depends where you read the comments. If it's on Blabbermouth, <laughs> I tend not to bother. Well, I'm going to... For example, YouTube, like everyone was saying, this is the mix I never thought I needed in my life. That's just one example. And obviously for someone like me, I felt like you guys took sounds in both artists to a whole new level. Like just a, I mean, hopefully this isn't just a flash in the pan type of thing. This, you got something happening here, Danny. So I know I'm one of millions of voices out there. Renaming myself Filthy Fresh. Please do that because I will endorse you to the fullest if you do this, do something like that. Filthy fresh, holy shit! Speaking of filthy fresh, uh, we haven't we talked about everything except existence of futile. Let's talk about it now because that is filthy fresh as well. The thirteenth album drops October twenty second on Nuclear Blast. Now I want to repeat the words here, Danny. Thirteenth album. Before we get into the into the core of existence is futile, here's the thing: you have already have albums which have you know, gone to be certified as staple records among millions of fans and musicians today. And this is just another impressive addition to your catalog. Despite the lineup changes, I mean, over the years, you have really honed into your sound and your identity and have stayed true to that over the years, expanded on it even. I don't care who you are, but 13 records is not an easy thing to do for anyone. And yet here you are. But knowing and being a part of that success that Cradle of Filth has been through, Walk me through this. Does writing get easier or does the pressure of so many great records make it harder? Uh, Loaded question, I know. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it, it doesn't get any easier, no. But um, funnily enough, when you write a new album, it has new songs on it. <laughs> I made that gag to someone else. I said, what's different about this album? I said, well, first off, it's got it's got different songs on it. And they went, oh, wow. I don't think they, they got what I was on about at first. But um yeah uh albums are written from circumstance from you know you're influenced by things around you what you're reading what you're watching uh even if even if you're you know like a a hardened power metal band even Mm. the out you know the things that are happening around the world have undue uh influence on on one's creations as it were so yeah that part the inspirational part doesn't get harder i think that's just like that you could keep writing albums it's just trying to do something different trying to do something that's true to yourself you don't want to repeat yourself either but then right. you don't want 
go too far from the path so that people go oh my god what the fuck are they doing why are they why are they experimenting with reggae now you know it, it's yeah. a tricky path to to, to 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 walk sometimes but that's the beauty i mean for this album we were lucky to re- to have written it just before the pandemic pandemic struck and just before they enforced the lockdowns here in in europe so uh, our drummer is from the czech republic and he'd recorded the drums just prior to that otherwise right you know, we were trouble because obviously you can't record the vocals first and put the drums on afterwards I mean, it sounded a mess obviously <laughs> uh, especially with my timing um so yeah we were very fortunate and then also fortunate in the fact that i was kind of left in alone with the producer for for, for about six seven weeks yeah um, scott atkins uh, yeah isolated we're doing like kind of half days but there was no there was no record company or or um, management breathing down our neck saying, oh my God, you know, you've got to, you've got to wrap it up. You've got to fix this. You, you know, this has got to be finished because you're going out on tour because well, no one in the world knew what was going on. No one knew when these lockdowns are going to end, whether it's going to get worse or whatever. And we had this kind of, it wasn't running Joe, but running commentary during the studio because getting BBC announcements all the time, like, dun, 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 dun. and we were like, it became millions more dead because all it was was, Today, 1,730 people have died. And then oh, it, just, man. it seemed like a glorification of it, as if like they were saying, mm, you know, this is what's only thing worth going on. So it was very, like, weird. But I think the zombie apocalypse would have been weirder. <laughs> oh, God. Literally one day uh, when it broke, there was uh, we had this weird puffy tree near ours, and it was left all the, it released all these spores, and it was going past the... Uh, the window of the studio we were like looked at each other and went oh my god don't tell me this is the second phase of it that it's airborne oh we, man yeah i know we were like for, for a few minutes we were you know kind of terrified of the situation yeah we could talk about we can go further into that discussion for as long as we want because well, like yeah. if you watch the, if you watch the zombie movies you know like you know my personal favorite is 28 days later but if we're gonna get into the say, horror yeah, aspect that's the most that's a more brutalized one, isn't it? It's about, you know, they're not, they're not just dwaddling around, you know, they're, they're coming out crazy. <laughs> and, and on a side note, if I had my top five films, 28 Days Later is on there because Danny Boyle knocked it out of the park with that. I feel like a lot of the zombie stuff we see these days, again, this is just my opinion. I think it takes from that movie because. Well, the that... other day, strangely enough, we were, my, me and my girlfriend were in London. We were actually doing a ghost hunt with these, uh, these people called the Ouija brothers and they, they put us in a hotel and we had to drive to this hotel. And I was like, we were in this. I was like, oh, my God, this is freaky. Because it was middle of the night. Obviously, the ghost hunt finished at four in the morning. And we were work- making our way in London to this uh, hotel on the Isle of Dogs. And I was going, my God, this is this is the tunnel from 28 Days Late. You know, all the cars piled up. And what is it? The world's the world's worst place to have a flat tire. Is that the scene? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, it was just it was just freaky with the realization you know yeah uh, same as once i was in uh, in a in a bar strange enough uh in this in a small village and i looked out the window i was on holiday and i looked out the window and went oh my god i recognize the scene and it was uh from hot fuzz you know um <laughs> that's another great film <laughs> yeah 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 and then I, I went to the bar and there was like a big plaque with with the, with the bar manager and nick frost and uh uh, oh man, you're 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 bringing back some some days that I remember in my life when I saw that movie. That movie cracked me up, still cracks me up. I think I own that movie actually. That I'm looking across the hall from me. <laughs> that is that is a great film. And uh, 
uh, I feel like we could we should probably just save another episode just where we can stop just talk about film in general because I went to film school for three years in LA and I have a really good like knack for like you know good cinematography just good just good storytelling and those movies you mentioned have that and uh, uh, obviously one of my favorite horror horror like movies of all time is Alien again another discussion we could go into further and further um, but it, I always think about you know. S- Ever since the pandemic started and, you know, we're what, 18, 19 months removed from March 2020, I always think I found like the soundtrack to the pandemic with all these great uh, records that have been released during that time frame. I think I found that soundtrack to the pandemic with your new album and uh, follow up to 2017's Cryptorania, Cryptoriana, and this is quite the follow up. One thing I want to talk about is your new vocalist and keyboardist annabelle erotney who is known for her work in devilment as well and she's also another band called veil and she went above and beyond on this record her her presence was definitely felt you know danny what new element does annabelle bring or perhaps brought back into cradle phil that the lineup may not have had before um well it's hard to to explain i guess i mean i just got very good work ethic and she plays the liar as well we actually have to liar on the album just because like you play yeah. the liar. well i've never heard that on the record let's get it on the record which <laughs> uh, is like this medieval oh, i don't even know where plucky medieval instrument you know possibly made out of a um an old saxon helmet i don't know what it is it's you know it sounds all right <laughs> um no she just she's she's very talented uh she's got she's hugely funny um Yes, she's a very, very, very talented pianist. I said pianist, by the way. <laughs> but yeah, that, that, I mean, check, 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 right? She kind of just re- fills all those, you know, I don't want to say requirements, but just that that element, that cradle of filth. Yeah, yeah, she fills all the holes. Yeah, and a big part of that is also the production. And we talked about Scott Atkins, and again, he's worked with Devilment before, you know, also worked with Benediction and Vader. And this was, the as far as the production, it was done at, grindstone studios and suffolk right and i'm sure there was that sense of comfortability in the studio for you danny knowing that you had someone like scott working on one of my my best friends and uh, funny enough he's actually just had a baby with the previous keyboardist uh of devilman which was lauren uh they got together because they met when he was producing devilman and now he's produced a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so he's pretty much done everything at this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, no, he, he's he's a good friend of mine. His studio's like twenty minute drive out into the countryside from where I live. Um, and yeah, he's he's almost like the seventh member of the band. He really gets the band. And what I also like about him, he's not one of these people that panders to you and goes, "Oh my god, everything you do just comes out so brilliantly. You're so wonderful." It's more like, you know what, that bit's a bit shit. We should change that. <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't mince his words. And uh, when we, you know, some people also say, "Well, you know, hey, using the same guy is just going to be a bit repetitive." It's like no, because every album. Like I said, it's different songs and mm-hmm. uh, it's born of a different temperament at a different time. You're going to use different plugins, could try different things to make it different from the last album. And what the uh, pandemic afforded us this time was we had to strip the album back. I mean, it's so easy to put 20 keyboard tracks on stuff, but what's the point of having even 16 of them? Because you're never going to hear what they're playing. So that was the idea about it, not to overcomplicate everything, make it sound big, catchy, but retain its brutality and uh well 
you know, there's so much go- different things going on, not all at the same time, yeah. but, you know, there's a ba- almost our version of a ballad on here, maybe our most melancholic song ever, um, which is uh, Discourse Between a Man and His Soul. Um, and then, like, the video that comes out, to, that hits tomorrow, which is Necromantic Fantasies. In fact, that came out on Spotify today, or, you know, okay. the platforms. But the video comes out tomorrow. And that's our second video. And we, they were both shot back to back, that and Crawling King Chaos. And both songs and both videos are very far removed from each other. They're very different uh, beasts entirely. Um, so, yeah, it's very, when somebody says to me, you know, describe the album, it's like, no, you describe the album because honestly, <laughs> I can't. It's, there's, there's a lot of different stuff on there. Go listen. And that's a good thing, you know, from songs like Existential, Existential Terror to black smoke curling from the lips of war which is my personal favorite uh to suffer our dominion to unleash the hellion you know it it you kind of mentioned it it was ex- exceedingly beautiful yet apocalyptic and another thing to tie into that is the artwork and that was done by latvian visionary arthur berzinch hopefully yep. i'm saying his name right um i'm sure like like how did you know arthur was the guy because i think he did the last two albums as well i think you yeah, well, finally found you, the guy you wanted yeah yeah because um we just got in, in 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 talks. We've always worked with amazing artists from around the world, and uh, yeah, we got in talks. And then he, bear in mind, both the 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 artwork on both the last few records is incredible. We wanted to finish off. Well, I'm not even saying finish off because that sounds like it's the, the relationship's over. But um, we I considered this like our Cornetto tr- trilogy. No, that was sorry. That was a reference to Hot Fuzz. Uh, you know, the, the, I, I knew that actually. I didn't want to interrupt you. <laughs> finishing the trilogy off, um, and yeah, he, I love his stuff. I love the iconography of it. I love the the relation to past masters that he incorporates, and uh, it's all a bit rude as well. And you've got to love that. And, you know, between writing and structuring the songs and the production process, like you just talked about, I'm hoping you can shed some light on this because Cradle of Filth throughout the years, it's uh, you guys have touched on, you know, dark romance and mythologies and, you know, horror tales, especially with the later albums, even the occult, you know, the the lyricism throughout existence is futile. Danny, you mentioned how this album is about, you know, existentialism, you know, existential existential dread and the fear of the unknown, I, especially at a time like today, I feel like it would relate to plenty of people, you know, especially with you know a song like Us, Dark and Invincible, for example, I feel like that really drives the point home. I begin to think if there's something tangible, like a theme to this album, and if that's true, how important are themes to you? Is that more about helping you write or sound or is that more for the audience? Because a lot of artists don't really care about themes, right? They just do like, 10 songs in the studio and that's it. But with Cradle of Filth, you have always had this knack for really digging deep and getting the message out there with your creativity and your art. Is there a We've done like four, um, you know, like proper um, conceptual records. And I say proper conceptual as in a story, like a a musical or a film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Starts at the beginning and it ends at the end. Uh, we've done four like that, and then I guess like mid, yeah, yeah, and then we have our other albums like Midian and and this album, where I guess the song is all orbiting a central theme, and yeah, existentialism, existential dread, fear of the unknown, imminent destruction, search for purpose, 
uh, questioning of one's own beliefs and morals. It's not totally nihilistic either, the concept. I mean, I think there's a glimmer of hope because it's... it's yeah, basically it, it's, it's realistic. I feel like uh, the thing about what you guys do, what you write about, Danny, is you really embrace what I feel like human nature often denies. Like, this is what's real. This is what we're going to write about. Here it is. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I, I believe in this, that if, if, you know, if existence is truly futile, then everything must be embraced for its fleeting nature. So not totally nihilistic. And also, without sounding like a bit of a hippie here, yeah, embrace <laughs> life, but respect life at the same time. And I think the album's a good portrayal of that. It's like mankind's been given this, this you know, if there is no um, greater spiritual plan, there's no divine hierarchy, there's no... Um, Oz at the end of the yellow brick road and we're just here like cattle are they come in you know they live for a bit they get slaughtered they get eaten blah 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 mm -hmm. life. then yeah we've got to embrace it but sometimes mankind embraces things too much and look you know look, look at the state of the planet at the moment I don't want to be part of this you know if if mankind does continue I don't want people to look back from like I don't know the 30th century and go you know those people that were living in the in the beginning of the 21st century. They really they knew what was going on. They were they were just so ignorant. And they fucked it up for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. you don't want that to be uh, part of our um, epitaph, do you? Really, but um, yeah, the album's very reminiscent of this whole philosophy. Yeah, okay, we've got freedom. What are we going to do with it? And as you can see, you know, everything's gone to to sort of a hellish diplomacy, diplomacy and. Uh, yeah, the absurdity of the human condition, I think it is, you know, you, you give people enough rope, they'll hang themselves. So it's a balance. Mm. And, but, uh, yeah, that, and I, I don't want to get too political and I don't want to. No, no, no. It's I uh, I, like, um, you know, my Zen's gone a little bit skew. <laughs> if, if we're going to get political, we'll, we're just going to keep sticking to hot fuzz. <laughs> political stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> now uh, and 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 you kind of just checked off that mark for me because i talked about the sound of the, uh, the soundtrack to the pandemic and this is the perfect one i know uh so danny we're reaching the end of our interview here but man you know from the different experiences and perspectives in your timeline that you have taken in which we have discussed about whether it's you know, being in a band that's been through the hard-earned success that you have, performing for as long as you have, and the people and, and the fans you have met and worked with during these records, the worldwide tours, your love for comics and horror, and your band, the name Cradle of Filth, it, it's a household name these days. I mean, you're considered a stepping stone in extreme metal lore. What is the most rewarding part for someone like you who is now at this point in their career? Do you ever just stop? For a moment, Danny, to take a look back at how far you've come. Well, I had plenty of time last year, didn't I? <laughs> ah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, but I yeah, mean, we're always moving forward. I mean, it's not it's not a race and it's not a competition. It's uh, it's our you know, it's it's what I do. Like you're, yeah. you're, you know, what you do, what you do, and other people do what they do. I mean, yeah, the reward is the three or four yachts I get to. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's, it, the, I don't know. Uh, it's its own reward, isn't it? Being creative, it's like uh, I don't know. It, it's good. Right uh, when the when the dust clears at the end, and you've done all the you know the the two years of prep and recording, and then all the interviews and and stuff. It's nice to think you know people actually dug that record for a while, or you know 
I don't know. I, I find it hard to talk about it, really, to be honest. And, that, and that's okay. And that's okay. It's, that, that, you know, yeah, I know. It's just like, it's difficult. You can come across as being a bit big-headed if you start, oh, yes, it's this, this, that. I don't really, I, re I don't really know. We, we do what we do, and uh, that should be enough for everybody, really. Yeah, and that counts as an answer. I mean, case in point, too, I wouldn't. I do I, some people. <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't be here today without the music you put out throughout your career. You know, Danny, let, I want to be completely honest about that. So much appreciation to what you've done throughout your career. Uh, thank you. I mean, I can't wait to see you guys here. What in what less than two weeks since you're here in Dallas? So that's how you kick a tour off is you do it in Texas. Now, I usually end my interviews on a pretty fun note. We kind of touched on this just a little bit, but I feel like I'm putting you on the spot here. Like I haven't been putting you on the spot the entire interview, right? But do you have five favorite horror movies you can tell me? Oh, my goodness, mate. Now, <laughs> let's talk about putting – I don't mean to put you on the spot, but I'll put you on five spots. Okay. Uh, oh, my goodness, mate. Uh, or, 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 what are – what are uh, another one I've asked is, like, what are three shows that you binged while the shutdown know, was I, happening? I, oh, that'd be even harder, to be honest. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I could probably do the, the, the horror – Let's do that. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they're not necessarily my, I don't know, I'm going to get off the top of my head, but they're not necessarily. In order. In or, Not necessarily in order and maybe not necessarily because I like a lot of different stuff. And yeah, uh, I don't know if I could hone it down to just being, you know, this is my favorite, this is my favorite, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, I could give just, a, I really like Bram Stoker's Dracula. Um, it's not the first Dracula by a long shot. I used to love uh, the Hammer Horror. You know, Christopher Lee used to be my favourite Dracula. But when that came out, I just it was like part of that whole um, early nineties massive gothic horror that also was prevalent in Sleepy Hollow, mm -hmm. um, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, and even Interview of a Vampire for Interview with an, a vampire. Um, I just love the glorious Technicolor of it. I love the brutality of it. I love the love story. It was the soundtrack. I, although I love soundtracks before, they weren't really part of my life. Ever since that album, that was my first one I actually physically bought. I listen to soundtracks more than I do metal. Because yeah, if love I'm working, it. last thing I want, you know, when I'm typing away or writing something is to have someone screaming in my lug hole, you know? I want to... I want my own soundtrack. I want to go to the, the grocery store, you know, with, um, I don't know, the, the Imperial March, for example, <laughs> going on. Um, yeah, so that, that film in particular, uh, absolutely awesome. I'll name drop Hellraiser as well. Oh, my God. I mean, when you revisit it, and if you've, like, I played it to a girlfriend recently, and she she saw some of the, you know, because some of the effects are a bit dubious by today's standards. And she couldn't get past that, even though the storyline's amazing and it's, you know, it's iconic and you've got the iconic Cenobites. And it was just it was a forerunner for so many um, great British movies after that. It's such a shame. And I've talked with Doug Bradley a lot about this because obviously, you know, Doug being pinhead. Yeah, yeah. And he's been replaced. Wow. And, you know, you'd be going... If you found out there was like Hellraiser 10, you'd be going, what? No way. Well, I think there's Hellraiser 11 now. But if they could only twist the whole thing back and it's all because of stupid, you know, Miramax and uh, libels here and Clyde Barker won't do this or Clyde Barker will do that. If they could only get the shit together and actually remake it, it doesn't even have to be the same story because, you know, Clyde Barker's a genius. 
he can rework his revamp it with this whole sadomasochistic vibe going on and the current climbs it could be one of the, the most greatest remakes ever and i know remakes are remake new Candyman remake was dreadful i, I mean i saw that <laughs> i saw that a i mean it, was dre- it looked good and but my friend went with me and he'd never seen the original and i was saying oh my god you haven't seen the original this is never going to touch and it didn't but it kept cross-referencing it and it totally confused him and then tony todd appears right at the end as if to say okay and he was like it closed the film closed and he went who's that guy and i said oh he was the original candy man he goes well i was i supposed to know that i've never seen it (laughs) it was just it was bad i didn't like it at all uh, but Evil Dead, the remake, I know it was. Oh remake. yes, there you go. <laughs> that that a, that that's a remake that we like. <laughs> yeah, it was it was on a different part, but it was great. I mean, it could have gone tits up as well. It could have been that whole like the way Cabin in the Woods starts, where you think, oh god, mm-hmm. no, this is exactly what you don't want. <laughs> you've got Stoner, you've got the Jock couple, you've got the other two. Don't know whether they're going to get it on or not. You know, and they're in the woods, and then it all went. You know, that was the whole premise of it. It set it out to to, to to turn into the rest of the film. What you're doing right now is, is you're 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 mixing up my watch list now. We're nearing Halloween, right? So now I'm gonna have to watch these films again that you're mentioning. So just a heads up. So this is okay, great right stuff. Anyway, yeah. Great stuff. Yeah, so, so, yeah, so what is that? Film. Four? Is that no. four? Well, I don't know. I thought it was only two, but <laughs> Okay, okay. No, no, that we that's two. Well, okay, okay, sure. You know what? I'm just gonna lump films in. I'm gonna like I'm gonna go for a bunch of films like yeah. There's great British um, horror movies that came out around the same time. There was one called um, Dog Soldiers. Um, yes. Twenty eight days later, of course, and, which we talked about before, and one called The Descent. The Descent was about these girls who went cave diving. Oh my god! Yes, I saw that as well. Really scared me to movie. death. I loved it yeah. though. Yeah, exactly. The, the scariest bit for the even before the creatures turn up is when like the girl gets stuck. Like, yeah. Oh, oh gosh. They got to leave her there because she just can't. She's just stuck. Oh my god, that freaked me out. Something chronic. So, well, yeah. well, I, I'm kind of claustrophobic, so that really kind of hit home with me with yeah, that yeah, scene, which. So, so that yeah, those three dog soldiers are great werewolf movie, but I lump those three British movies in together, um, as I will lump um, some dark, you know fucked up uh uh french movies like inside martyrs frontiers um shaitan that, that bunch of films there mental you know proper french horror really okay so i i have not seen those i'm gonna go ahead and add that well don't go for the american remake of martyrs because it that's a remake that's not very good either but the original martyrs is brutal beyond belief um so yeah, okay. I would go for those. And if I was go for a, an all-round, you know, great, great, great horror movie, yeah, of course, Alien would have to be it. So uh, I'm going to give you a little uh, a fact about that. So when I went to film school, do you know what the pitch was for the movie Alien? Uh, what, in space, no one can eat ice cream? <laughs> that would have been a good one. <laughs> the, the actual, so so the producer that I was talking to he was actually in the pitch room for that movie and it was four words they literally gave the uh um him just not even enough time to explain the movie he goes you got four words and that's it he said jaws in outer space and soon as he <laughs> said that they're like okay sounds good 
take it back and uh, we'll we'll take a look at the script and that's why how we're here today that's a pretty cool fact and when they told me that i was like wow that makes exact uh that makes sense now it is exactly what it is and uh, i love how the alien is only on the screen for what a total of maybe 10 minutes not even that much the the fact that you're able to it, it, you know exhibit the horror without portraying the horror in a visual aspect I think that's genius. I think that is a great recipe well, again, for. Well, it's massively claustrophobic, isn't it? Because you know, yeah, because you're in space, nobody's out there, right? In space, yeah, no yeah. one can hear your scream. That's what that yeah, is. Another great one is Event Horizon as well. Oh my God, Danny, you're gonna keep me here forever. Okay, well, we're gonna Event stop it right there because my okay. brother loves that movie. He's gonna freak that you mentioned that. that. I know, I know some people that worked on that movie, and it's it's legendary that they got turfed out of the studio for because some executives walked in and they were just doing the most horrible things to each other in there and it's legendary that it was cut severely and that there was a lot when they talk about hell on 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 the on the on the event horizon and you see all that liberal me and it was really yeah. brutal and i i got someone who can vouch for that um and i first saw that on times square a movie theater back in 87 uh, no, 97, 87, that'd be ridiculous. 97. I was like, wait. And, <laughs> I was like, wait, that's like, okay. And uh, I swear to God that I saw a different version for the one that's out here. So I think I saw what, because I saw it the day it got released. And I think they put one out of the cinemas and people were going, oh my God, no. And they censored it after that. Because the one I saw was certainly, I mean, it's a brutal film, but the one I saw was way more brutal. And I think they retracted that. Although they they deny that now, I really do think that is the case, having known someone that worked on the movie. So there's no version of that out there for people to well, see, is that true? Not. Apparently not, but I'm sure there must be some footage somewhere. Oh. But I just love the cast. I love Sean Pertwee. He's a he's one of those actors that always turns up in, in English films. Brilliant. Uh, Sam Neill, one of my favourite actors, full stop. Love uh, Sam Neill. <laughs> uh, Idris Elba's in it, you know, Oh no, Idris Elba is not. Is it, it, no, he's not in it. Sorry, it's um. Guy from Hold the on a second. Uh, uh, Lawrence Fishburne. Lawrence Fishburne. That's it. Yeah, uh, and and amid others. So, anywho. So anyone who's listening, Event Horizon. That's the film. So Martyrs is that the one you're talking about in 2008? Is that when it came out? Yeah. Uh, okay. You look, at, you look at Inside Frontiers. Shaitan. There's a bunch of other ones as well. Yeah, there's another Witch, one. In Witch Blake Romance. Okay, okay. All those French films, they're brutal as hell. Danny, I got some homework to do, man, so I'll, I'll be sure to get on that. Yeah, there's another one in 2015, Martyrs, and there's the 20, 2008 one. I just found that yeah, one. So it's, it's French, but, you know, you can forgive that. Um, yeah, Pas Pascal Logier. So yeah. I'll make sure to check that out. Um, that is a name that but Danny, uh, man, I'm gonna let you go here. I know we clocked in a little bit over than what we anticipated, but I really appreciate you. This has been an honor. Thank you so much. I can't wait again until you're here in the states. Go crazy, obviously, be on stage while you're going crazy here in Dallas. Yeah. Um, um, uh, we'll be looking forward to that. Do you have any last words? Anything else? Any shout outs you want to promote before we finish things off? Well, here? Just a tour. You, you mentioned the the, the um, people can go to the Instagram, Facebook, you know, that sort of right malarkey to uh to check out all the details to the whole tour if they can't make the Dallas one or they're listening to you from somewhere else. We're all obviously doing Austin and Houston as well. Um, you got to so, do those other yeah. two. It's the Texas Triangle, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've really got to, um, yeah, come out, check it out. 
big production. Support comes from Three Teeth and Once Human. It's going to be amazing. You know, imagine yeah. how fed up everybody is after having not played for so long. So you won't oh, I, it's going to be a night to to dismember. <laughs> and I, I I can't wait for you to see like how crazy things are in a good way here because because I'll be heading to that that same venue tonight. Uh, everyone who is listening, this is Danny from Cradle of Filth. Uh, Existence is Futile drops October 22nd on Nuclear Blast Records. You can check this podcast out on all major podcast streams. Check us out on interviewunderfire.com as well. Danny, have a safe tour, man. Uh, so happy to see you doing what you're doing. Again, I wouldn't be here without everything you've done. Uh, have a great trip coming here to the States, and I can't wait to see you here in Dallas, and I will talk to you next time, buddy. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. My pleasure. This has been great. Cheers, mate. Take care. Cheerio. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire Podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. If you'd like to check out more, visit www.interviewunderfire.com or our social media channels on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And finally, we want to thank you all for the support you've been giving us. Keep it burning.